Hello, you gorgeous teacher. Lovely to see you. If you're one of my lovely regular listeners, welcome back. If you're a brand new listener, you are most welcome. I'm so happy to have you. Before we get started on the main part, you've probably noticed that if you follow me on Facebook or Instagram, I've gone very quiet. And that's because I've hopped over to LinkedIn. Now, if you're not following me on LinkedIn, my name is Erin O'Byrne. I'll leave a link in the show notes. I just thought I'd try something a bit different. So there's still plenty of content to be had. It's just on a different platform. And if you're not on LinkedIn, I really encourage you to join it because there are so many amazing professionals on there. You're still going to get loads of really good content, loads of tips, loads of support, loads of advice, lots of articles. Like there's so much going on on LinkedIn as well. So give it a try. Also, I'm going to start hopefully doing some kind of maybe twice a month teacher's clinic. Um, But at the time of this recording, I haven't figured out what the name of it is yet. But I think I'm going to start going live on LinkedIn and um, basically just, you know, waiting for people to hop on and and ask me a question and see if I can, you know, help you guys out with anything. So I'm really looking forward to that. Anyway, that's enough housekeeping for the moment. Without further ado, let's crack on and meet my amazing guest. Enjoy. Hi, this is Erin and welcome to Everything EFL, my little podcast about English language teaching and other teachy stuff too. Credit and honourable mentions will be given during the episode or in the show notes. Let's crack on. My guest today is an English language coach trainer. His mission is to transform teachers into English coaches. What's the difference I hear you cry? Well, he's going to explain everything and give you some great tips on top of that. Please welcome my special guest, Chubby Berger. Did I pronounce your name correctly? You did. That was Brilliant. perfect. Excellent. Yeah. Welcome to everything. <laughs> Not many people do that. So, yeah. <laughs> How <laughs> are you? Correctly. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, Would you like to just introduce yourself a little bit further? Yeah, sure. So my name is Chubby Berger. Um, I've been an English teacher for the last 15 years or so. I started quite early. Yeah, I've been kind of transitioning into a language coach, um, trying to take more clients um, as coaches rather than just students. Um, empower them, inspire them, as well as also do the same, you know, empower, inspire and help English teachers to um, transition into language coaching, which I think is the future of education now that we know more about the brain. I think that's the key word here, isn't it? Brain. So can you just expand on what language coaching is and why it's beneficial to both students and teachers? Mm. So uh, we, we know that like about 90% of what we know about the brain is basically the product of the last four years of research. So it's important for us to like look at the learner's brain when it comes to us helping them uh, in ways, uh, supporting them on their language learning journey. So language learning, language coaching, sorry, in general is um, basically helping students learn rather than just teaching at them or teaching them and helping them basically bring out the best their best potential as language learners we know that the responsibility of learning is up to the learner um, we can do as much as we can support them with the resources with our experience and all kinds of activities we design and just holding them responsible very important part of language coaching but they are the ones who eventually have to be committed enough and um, 
go through the learning process itself. Now, why is it beneficial for the teacher? It's beneficial because it definitely brings so much better results in terms of the, um, the time invested in it, because there is this um, element of ownership and element of responsibility there. In my experience, it also results in a higher level of retention because um, when students are able to understand that language learning takes a long time, they can reflect on their progress and they also find ways to understand that they have to lower their expectations. Um, it, it really helps them stay and keep on learning. Why is it beneficial for learners? Probably for the same reasons as well. They will also see lots of um, tangible results within a short amount of time because it's always tied into a goal that we'll talk a bit more about as well. And I'll, I'll share a couple of tips on goal setting too. Although I know you have an episode on that. I really love that, by the way. Thank you um, very much. So it definitely benefits both because it's about the learning. And many times if you look at like the traditional, um, you know, school environment that a lot of people uh, see language learning first, that's not exactly what the um, neuroscience wise term would be for learning how I would just define learning itself because learning is about experiencing and that's what coaching helps with so many things to say um yeah I think like traditionally the onus is on the teacher isn't it you must create mm -hmm. this amazing lesson plan you must create a student-centered lesson you must create all these communicative activities but at the end of the day if your students aren't into it and they're not motivated and engaged and they don't really you know, they just don't have an interest outside of the class in learning the language. They're not really going to have much of an interest in engaging in your lessons. Yes, totally. And let's not even talk about the fact that they are nervous. So whenever you're nervous, there's no learning happening. Uh, and they, if they can't, you know, they don't know how to manage their emotions, basically, right? To deal with their emotions, ground themselves whenever it comes to like language anxiety. This is a proven thing by research that there is a thing called uh, xenoglossophobia, uh, language anxiety, and if they don't know how to handle it, they're not learning eventually as well. And I'd say on top of that as well, I think it's very kind of natural to come out of a class going, I'm stupid, I don't know the language, I didn't learn anything because I'm not very good at this as well, I think. Right, yeah, this negative self-talk, which is obviously something that is not beneficial for anyone. Um, yeah. Yeah, but it's so easy to do. And I'd, I'd say that is in every aspect of life. It's much easier to listen to that negative voice. It is because it's the default. It's the default of our brain, right? Yeah. So this is something I always tell my um, teacher, coachy, uh, or coach um, trainees now that our brain is not designed for language learning. Our brain is designed for um, helping us survive. And anytime we focus on the negative, that helps us protect our basically protect ourselves to from all kinds of dangers and threats and everything else. And you know, language learning itself is already something strange to the brain itself. So there's lots of threats coming up. Ooh. And I, um, the point that you made about lowering expectations—it's such an important one as well. Like I tell yes. all my students, like everything is a process. Everything. Um, especially language learning and you have to be patient and kind to yourself about it and not too much pressure on yourself and it's such it's such like the antithesis of a lot of language courses you know 
I'm going to do this for eight weeks and I'm going to get to intermediate or I'm going to do eight weeks of IELTS and I'm going to get a six. And it's like, ah. And it's just literally where a lot of people spend decades in, like expectations. You need to have some sort of qualification. Everything is about the end result. You have to have some sort of um, grade. Um, You are evaluated on the basis of your results on a specific day, totally random. Um, instead of focusing on the process itself. Yeah, and I think like though, and we're going to talk more obviously about language coaching, I think it's such a a brilliant way of, you know, teaching, if you like. It's just, you know, how to implement that in most classrooms and institutions where it is all about ticking boxes and having results, you know. But um, we're going to come to that in a bit, so let's not let's not rush. Um, so um, we'll put a pin in that one. So, what to you are the main differences between language coaching and language teaching? Hmm. So, first of all, I'd like to say that language coaching should never be mentioned as something that's like superior to language teaching, right? It's a branch of language teaching, it's a kind of teaching, mm-hmm. um, extending the meaning of teaching and bringing in the learning part as well, which, to be honest, we look at, you know, all sorts of things we talked about as well, lectures where teaching is just me speaking and, and it's a kind of one-way process. So it's where the learner is the active participant, the one who takes, who makes all the decisions um, about their learning process because it's their life, it's their learning, right? Their learning journey. Um, and the coach is one, the, the one who takes that passive role of supporting, helping, encouraging, motivating, uh, and also stands as the authority who has potentially the knowledge of, of language acquisition, of how it all works, and can help you know, guide their coaches', coaches decisions. Um, it's also about what we talked about, the responsibility. The uh, client has 100% responsibility on their side on taking action on whatever they committed to, because it all starts with a contract where people promise to you know, not blame, not to blame the coach on anything that they wouldn't do, which again happens so many times in the traditional classroom. Um, And it's this relationship between the coachee and the coach, which is equal. So it's not more of um, an instructive teaching environment or learning environment, but where it's more of a reflection and a kind of discussion together, because that's what is again, not viewed as a threat by the brain. Um, yeah, and it's all based on the learner's own needs and interests, which again, kind of plays against sometimes when the teacher says, oh, I picked this topic because I think this is so, this is going to be so good. I think you would love it because it's many times the teacher whose interest uh, is brought into the classroom. Guilty. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes I think we are guilty. But yeah, like, uh, um, what I can also say is if you have things that you love, you know, to teach about, to talk about, at least make sure you give a choice. Yes, absolutely. And that's definitely something that I try and implement um, in my teaching or teaching slash coaching, whatever you want to call it, right. is, is choice. I mean, even like, who do you want to work with? You know, do you need another minute? Um, how do you want to do your homework? Yeah, or what do you want to consult? What do you want to look at? What resources do you need? All these kind of things, right? Yeah, yeah. Again, it um, all comes back to like making them feel proud because the most proud 
you are of yourself if you do the hard work. It's just like cooking your own food, you will more likely to be, you know, looking at yourself as a proud cook than if someone else cooks something for you. Or you could, we can talk about all kinds of different uh, metaphors about this. <laughs> we are the proudest of ourselves if we climb the mountain, not exactly. if we take a Jeep or a helicopter. Um, and it's just the same thing about language learning. Yeah, empowerment, empowerment. Mm -hmm. Do you think that you do a lot of mindset work as well? Is that a big part of it? Yeah, so it's definitely whatever the coach, right, the coaching needs. So if there is a lot of mindset work that they need to, to do, sometimes they aren't aware of it, especially, I would say, in my experience in a lot of like Anglo-Saxon countries, things like mindset um, aren't really talked about that much in the general public either. So they might describe their problems and it, it's um, the teacher's kind of job, right? To recognize them as mindset issues. Oh, they might not, nobody will say, oh, I have mindset issues and I need to, um, you know, they, everybody wants to like uh, speak like a native speaker or whatever, you know, they come with all these different expectations. Um, but I do a lot of mindset work because I love mindset. I love uh, helping people really unblock themselves because I always say, what's the point of me, um, you know, teaching more vocabulary or working on their pronunciation if they aren't in the right mindset about whatever it can come up, you know, looking at feedback as a threat, as criticism. It could also be things like, oh, I, I, the only option for me is like a one-to-one -one class because obviously that's like they are too scared of speaking in front of others or other mindset issues can come up as well which is the necessary thing to really to make that real progress instead of the idioms and phrasal verbs and everything else they need yeah and it's not even just like I mean I suppose mindset can be so many different things um, I was initially thinking of um, sort of lack of confidence but then there could also be the shift in mindset where you know I have to learn 10 phrasal verbs every week or something like that. You, I think people need to get out of that kind of mindset as well, setting themselves okay. these unrealistic goals of learning mm -hmm. a list. Yeah, words. I mean, there's this, this idea of the mindset of enoughness, which is, yeah. is, is in all of us because of the high expectations of the society. You are X if you achieve this mm. and if you have achieved this, right? So people feel that they are not good enough. And in order for them to be good enough in a language, they need, uh, you know, like, the 50,000 most common idioms or anything else like that, right? Instead of working on the mindset and lower their expectations. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. Actually, what I was going to say is that it's a mind, there's a, something we call a mindset continuum when it comes to learning a language. So there are basically eight aspects of um, uh, mindset itself. And it can come, it can range from like your general worldview. Like, do you actually know or believe that you can learn anything? Or you have this fixed mindset where um, you would believe that everything is set in stone, nothing can be changed. You know, the typical uh, senior students coming in and say, oh, I'm too old to learn anything. If you have these beliefs, core beliefs, you won't be able to make much progress or things around feedback. Some people look at feedback as criticism, as a threat to their own existence, um, especially as perfectionist student type, um, people who were corrected too much with the red pen, um, or looking at others or looking at effort as well. Many students look at effort as something that's a, um, 
an evidence of their weakness or their uh, lack of ability instead yeah. of something that will actually help them grow. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because um, a couple of weeks ago, um, I actually overheard um, one of my managers talking to one of my colleagues, a teacher, uh, about an observation coming up. And immediately she went into like defense mode. Um, so it's not just students it's like okay but it's you know um, are you going to tell me when you're going to come in because I tend to panic about these things so she was instantly I think feeling judged because she had to have an observation you know right. so I would say yeah. that goes both ways for teachers and students absolutely yeah and that's also a very important part of the language coaches um, job to work on their own mindset mm. because we don't want to we don't want to go into the um, language coaching conversation in a language coaching program um, and then accidentally, so many times, but um, basically um, project our own fixed mindset onto our students. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a really good point as well. Um, going back to what you said about enoughness and, and sort of mm -hmm. pressure students um, can experience, some of that can be cultural as well. Um, and I imagine in that case, it, it can be very difficult to try and sort of break through that. That must take time. Yes, absolutely. Well, it does take time, but at the same time, as long as the coach knows that it's their own learning journey, they don't have to fit into any sort of, you know, um, other people's learning journey that they have drawn up or they have gone through. Everyone has their own weaknesses and strengths. And, you know, your best bet is if you're aware of them, you work on your weaknesses and you find ways to tap into your strengths. Um, and just understand that culture is just a social construct as well. So just because generations and generations have told you to um, to be perfect in everything, it doesn't mean that it, it is true. So having that um, not, I wouldn't just say um, a pinch of salt, but like a bucket of salt. Uh, <laughs> Interesting. So if teachers are listening and thinking, yeah, I kind of like this idea, but they're not really sure where to begin, um, mm. especially when they're up against maybe a class, because I think most people who listen to this would be teaching a class. And again, also thinking about those the box ticking and the syllabus and but I have to do this by the end of the week um, and I don't have time for this because I have to do this um what tips do you have so that teachers could just sort of begin a little transition um or just kind of implement these ideas in a in a very simple practical way first it would be like awareness raising like I don't think there should any there should be any human being on earth who doesn't know how their brain works um, so it's important for them to understand why things are happening. This is, there's actually a lot of research on the fact that if you tell people, if you tell students why things are happening, they are more likely to accept it and they're more likely to be like to come, come to terms with uh, some of the issues they need to work on. So awareness raising is definitely the first one. Also to the idea of the what I call unlearning. So you might have to unteach first. Um, especially if people come from like this grammar translation based traditional classroom where there is one solution, there, there is uh, ongoing red pen uh, feedback and pretty negative one, right? There's also something I would always say on the first session before the goal setting, like really try to make sure you look into their learning history 
like their learning experience in the past, have what, what was their experience in the past with previous teachers, uh, because you know teachers play such an important role in in students' own perceptions as well. If yeah. a teacher tells you, you know, it actually weighs like a hundred times more if a teacher tells you that you are never going to be fluent. Um, compared to when a teacher says, yeah, come on, of course, you will be fluent if you work on it, right? So it can have detrimental um, consequences on people's mindset. Absolutely. And like, even if you think back to your own own experience, you'll remember the one teacher who really inspired you and you'll remember the one teacher who made you feel like crap. You won't remember yeah. the other ones, but you'll remember those two. Exactly. And the subjects that I was learning from them. Mm. So that's definitely the first thing unlearning any kinds of coaching is about unlearning unlearning what's not true and what doesn't help it's never about what is good and what is bad it's about what helps them move uh, forward right towards their goals and uh, what takes them back or what holds them back from them uh, which brings me to goal setting which you already mentioned in your uh, your episode in the past but i think it's really important for them to understand that the goal setting also isn't about the goal i always say this is a funny thing but just like you said everything is a process mm-hmm. and it, it's never about the goal it's about what i'm learning while working towards that goal um and i would highly recommend um setting unrealistic goals which again goes against the smart goal kind of system but um, I'm always trying to look at things how I can support my students better, right? But if we look at mindset and goal setting, it should not be realistic because it's never about the goal. It's about the process, which is realistic, but the goal itself should be something unrealistic. That's what's going to bring the best out of you if you don't set goals that are realistic from your personal point of view on day one. Okay, so are you talking about a long-term goal rather than little things you can achieve every week? Okay, so you have one long-term goal, for example, I'd like to get to B2. Um, But what about sort of more um, short-term weekly goals so they feel like they're making a little bit of progress? How do you feel about those? Yeah, I wouldn't call them goals and I would call them action items, but it's basically the same thing, right? Because goals are goal in general is something we can't really influence in the sense that whether we reach it or not is not entirely on us but action items are like what can i do on a daily or weekly basis so i can reach that long-term goal right Right. which is what i can influence okay that's interesting because i usually try and get my students to just set like little goals to get those small Mm. victories but i never really thought of it in the sense of you know what is their big goal at the end because they usually say the same thing (laughs) but I tend to focus on the smaller goals so that's actually um, an interesting point there that's also actually I would say a mindset thing so goal setting is also a kind of personal development issue so a lot of people aren't really aware of the importance of it and if people say things like I want to speak like a native speaker or I want to reach B, B2 or C1 level some people might say um I don't need goal setting or I even heard people like, oh, you guys, Americans, uh, you you are obsessed with goal setting, which is just a sign of um, someone who is basically scared of failure. Yeah. So that's again a mindset thing when people don't want to set a goal or they set a very general goal. Um, We can work around this 
and also what does it mean for them so what does it mean for you to be a b2 speaker right that's like what is their definition of that how would they feel that's also how we can motivate the brain about feelings that future pacing is a very powerful coaching tool that i always use because imagination you know you you can imagine i'm just saying lemon and you will taste lemon in your mouth and okay. it's the same thing about your future right so how will you how you feel about this goal in the end and then connect that to the present uh basically manifesting your uh b2 level is what uh, what is a very powerful tool for a lot of language coaches to to use oh i'm learning so much <laughs> what else you got <laughs> i don't want to overload here with information yeah. but there's so much so much here um yeah so that's definitely the, the goal setting part and focusing on the process so it's ne never really about the goal itself it's about the action items that i can do and it yeah. can be as simple as i commit to listening to a podcast episode every day after breakfast right or um work on something that is like you can kind of measure it like one two three or it can be time bound as well right but something that is up to you and it's something you commit to because it's you only you can work on it especially if it's a very close to 100% language coaching when there is no teaching itself happening mm. and like in a, a classroom environment i would say that reflection on this would be important as well so possibly having those reflection sessions every week did you achieve your goals if not why not if you did how do you feel that kind of thing yeah, as well right mm. and understanding that not achieving the goal is not like because we, we tend to go into this self-sabotage and say oh you know i'm like i'm i'm a horrible person i haven't achieved my goals and i'm weak and whatever but it's important to like coaching is about the present the past is something we can't change yeah. and it's important for them to understand to not to ruminate on what happened in the past not to uh live in the past and feel depressed about things they didn't do but okay what can we learn from this exactly. so i always try to focus on learning what are you learning from this what can it prepare you for yeah um that's what it's all about never about achieving it yeah. And then within all of that goal setting as well, um, again, it's all about choice, isn't it? Like, I mean, you could have like a big brainstorming session in class about what can we do outside of class or, you know, here are the choices. But at the end of the day, it's the student's choice. OK, I think I'll do a podcast or I think I'll read an article or something like that. I would also, do we still have time? Absolutely, go for it, yeah. <laughs> so people love... Um, in terms of like on like um, explaining lots of things around mindset and everything, people are really um, like they listen to um, metaphors. Like they are the most power, one of the most powerful ways to kind of grab people's attention and to make them understand something that they might not be familiar with. Like I always use the mountain metaphor yeah. to get to the top of the mountain. Right, you need to climb as much as you can use the map consult you know like a guide ask for directions otherwise you will be lost um all sorts of stuff the, the whole mountain thing um people can you know teachers coaches can come up with their own system of of uh, analogies and it's a very powerful tool to explain things uh, because it connects the new information to something familiar yeah i've been using a lot of inspirational quotes in my lesson 
Um, mm. And sometimes I say, how can you apply this to your language learning? And sometimes I just say, how can you apply this to your life? But I do like, because it's critical thinking as well, isn't it? They have to kind of decipher it. They have to try and put it into words and then they have to apply it um, yes, to right. something. So um, oh, I'm so glad we're on the same page here. <laughs> <laughs> it is definitely a long process. And I would say it's also like, I think we are just like in every industry, we are living in a transitional period where there's an awakening happening and the fact that you know societal norms don't necessarily have to be followed all the time and fluency is a kind of a, a big thing for so many people because of their beliefs about themselves and the way they look at mistakes and everything else. Given the power of the coursebook industry and like the the sort of industry oh, of yeah. TEFL courses and stuff like that I mean what does the future hold for language coaching? Do you think it will gradually seep into that kind of those industries? Do you think it will take a lot of time? Mm. So like in the most traditional sense, you know, language coaching doesn't require a textbook. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how, how all these big publishing companies would promote the idea of language coaching mm. uh, if it kind of works against them. But I think it's it's also in which I'm really trying to do, and I believe that this is what the legacy would be, if we have, we can help students who will then talk about our coaching to other people, how that helps so much more than just simply going to a class and, um, you know, being spoon fed, basically, uh, then it can change uh, so much more. It's that ripple effect that I think if um, there are more and more coaches, more teachers understanding that teaching, talking at students doesn't work unless they do the work as well, unless they learn, right? So instead of teaching, helping someone learn is or should be the focus for yeah. the future. But I think also that ripple effect will be very uh, heavily influenced and um, supported by the power of social media as well. I mean, just looking at the amount of sort of coaching and language coaching courses and things, even over the last year that have popped up, I think that that will really help sort of spread the message as well. Because I think more and more teachers are tuning into finding their community on Instagram or Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. Absolutely. And we can all learn from each other. Exactly. Yeah, that's what I love about it. So what are you doing now um, in terms of courses and things that you're offering? So right now, what we have is an amazing community of English coaches. Um, it's called Engage. And we have a monthly membership, basically um, helping people who want to dabble in coaching. So it's especially designed for beginner coaches who want to learn more about what mindset is, how they can become coaches, and also the business part of it, how they can... Um, market their own coaching as well because it's a bit different from like you know putting up a, a course and say I'm launching a course next week as well um, so basically empowering inspiring and helping any English teacher uh, in whatever they need with business mindset and the coaching element itself as well and if people are interested or they just want to connect with you where can they find you yeah, currently I'm pretty active on Instagram. So it's at more than just teacher without the A, um, where I'm more than happy to, you know, welcome anybody. And if anybody has any questions potentially about this episode or anything else about language coaching, I'm more than happy to talk in the DMs as well. 
brilliant. And then all your other links will be in your bio on Instagram, will they? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay, yeah. brilliant. Well, um, personally speaking, everything make, made perfect sense to me. Um, I just uh, hope it makes perfect sense to anyone listening to this, but I suspect it will. Um, thank you so much for your time, Chabby. Um, you are on your travels at the moment, so I will leave you to enjoy your evening in thank Malaysia. <laughs> and um, we'll be you'll be traveling to dublin soon so um we'll actually be meeting in person which i'm yeah, very so excited already it's just a couple of weeks yeah, thank you so much Erin. it was thank a pleasure you. thank you so much <laughs>